Our Father in heaven, we come to you this morning knowing that you are good, knowing that you are gracious, knowing that you are sovereign over all of creation. And this morning, Father, we ask that you would reveal yourself to us that we might understand your justice and your mercy. That we might have our hope in you and you alone. And we might worship and praise you. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Sometimes the passage for the week is more difficult than others. And this is one of those difficult passages. It's difficult because it's not very popular to talk about the wrath of God anymore. It's not very common to hear about the wrath of God anymore because people don't want to hear about the wrath of God. They don't want to acknowledge the wrath of God. We wish that God were loving and just patient and tolerant and accepting and that there was no wrath to deal with. And so sometimes Christians even become embarrassed about the wrath of God. And so for that reason, it becomes a little bit more difficult to stand up and talk about it. But it's important to understand. And so as Paul is beginning his letter to the church at Rome, and he's writing to them in Romans chapter 1, he starts off by explaining briefly what the gospel is and then telling them, look, I am very eager to come and proclaim the gospel to you who are in Rome. And in verse 16 that we looked at last week, he said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And so last week we talked about how the righteousness of God is revealed. But this week it says in verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So... They are without excuse. Happy Sunday, everyone. (laughs) For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. The wrath of God is revealed. And it's the kind of thing that we go, uh, you know, let's, let's not talk about that so much. Just talk about the love of God, the acceptance of God. But the wrath of God, while unpopular, is also very necessary. Because while you hear people talking about how God should be loving and accepting and tolerant and all of these things, what you also hear is, how can God not care? How can God allow these things to happen? You see, 
by and large, I think people want the wrath of God. They want the justice of God. They want God to be angry about some of the same things that we're angry about. When we see people who are mistreated, when we see people who are cheating and lying and stealing, when people wrong one another and kill one another, abuse one another, how can God allow those things to happen? Where is the justice? Where is the wrath of God against those things? And we say, the wrath of God is being revealed. God does hate those things. God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. That is, the ungodliness um, against God's character, against God's person. They are uh, living as though there is not God. And so their sin is against Him and against all unrighteousness. That is, they're not living according to God's moral and righteous code. They're not living uh, in a kind and loving way with one another in the way that they treat each other. And so we we see these people that are are dealing with these things and... and, um, as I think about people's wrestling with this, and they're going, on the one hand, I think I'm, I'm probably good enough. By and large, I'm a pretty good person. I think God should accept me because I am pretty good after all. I'm pretty good. And you ask the question, well, how are you treating God? Well, no, I just mean morally, I'm a pretty good person. Right, but what about your godliness? Your relationship with God, what about that part? How many people have had the experience where they had a parent who treated them horribly, but to everyone else was wonderful? And everybody just sung the praises of your parent, and you went, but you don't know them like I do. Does it make it okay that everybody else thought they were wonderful, that they treated everybody else so well, that they were so kind, they were so generous, they were so loving and caring, and yet you saw a different side of them? Was that okay? Well, no, certainly not. You stand there and go, you, I, can't, I don't even know how to show it to you. But my experience with this person is not what everyone else's experience is. And so God says, I don't, I don't care how you treated everyone else. If you didn't love me, if you didn't respond appropriately to me, what difference does it make how you treated everyone else? Who's the most important in all of the universe? Well, God, He created the whole thing. Made it, put it in order, sustains it, provides for His creation, and yet is rejected by many. How is He then to respond to them? Well, His wrath is revealed. Now, on the other side of the the situation... Let's say that your parent treats you very well. 
You have a great relationship with them. They're just awful to everyone else. Is that okay? Well, no. We don't want that either. Mom, mom, you... You've got to be nicer to them. I, t- I take really good care of you. Yes, I know, but look at the way you treat everybody else. Dad, Dad, what do you think? You can't, you can't treat them that way. Well, they weren't very nice to me. Well, it just doesn't matter, Dad. Look, why do you care? I take great care of you. I, I know and I appreciate that, but, but other people too. Treat them well. We, 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 can't, we can't suppose that it doesn't matter how we treat other people. It, it does matter. God has put together His creation and He loves it and He put a certain order to it and a way it's supposed to work. And when people don't treat each other well, then we have problems. And we see that brokenness all the time. In fact, the the wrath of God is being revealed continually against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. It's a a present active thing. It's not the kind of thing that, well, someday the wrath of God will be revealed. We're just waiting for it. And someday the wrath of God will come. We do know that someday uh, all things will be made right and all of the judgment will be done. Someday that is coming. But we don't have to wait for that for all judgment and for all wrath. That's being revealed already. There's some people that that want to believe that the wrath of God is coming, but it's not just yet. No, it's even now, present, as we sit here. It's not the kind of thing that has just happened in the past either. Right? Some people want to go, well, you know, the God of the Old Testament, He was full of wrath. The God of the Old Testament was full of wrath. But now, we're, we're in the New Testament era. And so now we have a God of love and acceptance and forgiveness. Well, no, certainly the wrath of God was revealed. We, we see that through the Scriptures. But the wrath of God is still being revealed. God is still angry with sin. And we see the consequences of sin all the time. We see it in in physical ways, that that sin has physical consequences for us. The the things that we do um, cause shame and it, it works its way and it just causes physical problems within the body. Sometimes the, the sins that, that happen literally cause physical pain. Sometimes it's emotional. Sometimes it's relational. But there are consequences for sin that are happening in part right now. And we see the wrath of God being poured out on these things. And we go, man, that's, that's a mess. This is a mess. And so this is why people step back and they observe the world and you look at the newspapers and the uh, articles and you, you just, the world is broken. It's messed up. Look at the way that people hurt each other. 
Look at the way that people treat each other. Look at the consequences of all of these things from one generation to the next generation and in between people. And it's a mess. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And that's the problem. That even though God hates sin and His wrath from heaven is revealed against all unrighteousness and all ungodliness, yet nevertheless people suppress that truth. Because they prefer the sin. Or because they don't want to deal with the consequences of the sin. And so they look for for ways to justify themselves or deal with with, uh, the sin apart from God. Or they deny God. You know, I, I don't really think God cares that much. I don't think there is a God. Okay, perhaps there might be a God, but even if there was, I don't think he would care. He seems to be absent. He's an absentee God. And so they suppress the truth. Because of their unrighteousness, because of their sin, they suppress the truth, they hide and conceal the truth from themselves. We we see this. You know, so somebody asks you to do something and you didn't hear them. You chose not to hear them. There are times when I'll hear, Hey, Travis, and I'll accidentally leave the room before I heard the rest of the sentence. And then later, Did you? Did I what? Well, did you do that thing I asked you to do? I, I didn't hear you ask me to do that thing. My kids are great at this. You ask them to do, I, I need you, your chore after dinner is to go clean this up. And then they leave. And a little bit later, did you clean that up? I didn't know I was supposed to clean that up. How could you not know? I didn't hear you. You were looking at me. You nodded. When? It's the suppressing the things that we don't want to hear, the things that we don't want to deal with, the things that are hard. We just, we'll just squash it down and we won't deal with it. And people are doing this all the time with God. They don't want to deal with God. They don't want to acknowledge the wrath of God against sin. They would much rather find an alternative to the gospel. They'd rather find an alternative way of dealing with with sin and say, "Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Or ignore it. It's not actually sin. It's just not. And by doing these things, they try to get around the issue of sin or pretend that there is no issue of sin when clearly the wrath of God against these things is known to them, but they just hide it and suppress it so that they don't have to deal with it. And it's because of the sin that is within them. 
Why can't we just deal with it? You, you know, even, even we want to do this sometimes. We go, I, I don't know that the wrath of God really is revealed. What if people don't know? What if they don't know? How could God hold them accountable for not knowing? And we want to pretend that somewhere out there, there might be an innocent person who's accidentally sinning and doesn't recognize that it's sin. Or doesn't know that it's a problem. And so we want to provide for them some kind of an excuse and go, well, they just didn't know. It was, in, it was an ignorance that they did that. Certainly, they shouldn't have to deal with the wrath of God. They shouldn't need some other kind of a Savior. They shouldn't need Jesus. They could just get by on their own merit because they didn't know. Well, no. That's not how it works. The, the wrath of God has been revealed from heaven. We recognize, we see in ourselves and in others the consequences of sin and the negative effects that it has. We know that these are not good things to be doing. And yet we do them anyway. We try and hide ourselves or protect ourselves from the consequences, but we recognize that they are there. We know the wrong that we are doing. But they are suppressing it. Who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. This is one of the cornerstone passages in the Bible for what we call general revelation. That is, that God makes Himself known generally to everybody. So that everybody can see that there is God. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. We, we want to go, uh, you know, people shouldn't be held accountable over there. They don't know about God like I know about God. They haven't had somebody explain it to them. They haven't sat in Sunday school. They haven't read the Bible. They don't know. They shouldn't be held accountable for that. But what this scripture is saying is that God has made himself known through creation from the beginning of time through the things that he has made. So that no one is with, no one has an excuse. Because everybody can see it. Which is why up until very, very recently, you could go anywhere and it wasn't a matter of convincing them that there was God, but who is God? Because when you look at creation, it is evident. There is an eternal power. There's a, somewhere there is a source of power that has existed eternally. For everything else that we can figure out and explain, somewhere there is. We can deny it, we can hide from it, we can avoid it, we can explain it, we can do a lot of math 
But it doesn't change the fact. God has been revealing Himself. He has been making Himself known. It is enough to convict us of our sin and recognize we have a problem. Because if there is a God who has eternal power, who has existed eternally, and if there is a sin issue that I have, how am I going to relate to that God? How will I deal with that? The solution is not evident here in, the, in this passage. Not, not in these couple of verses. The problem is there. We recognize that through general revelation, there is enough to convict us of our sin, but not yet enough to save us. That's the part that we struggle with. Wait, what do you mean? You mean they have enough information that they can be convicted of their sin? Yep, they have enough information that they can be convicted of their sin. They knew they were doing wrong when they sinned. God has revealed enough of Himself through creation that they can be convicted of their sin. Well, then how do they get saved from that? Yeah. Where does the salvation from sin come from? Paul has been uh, talking to them already about this, right? About the righteousness of God that has been revealed to them. He has been talking to them about who Jesus is. And so he... Uh, come on. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. This good news... See, the good news is good news to everybody because everybody has enough information that they should recognize that they have a problem that needs to be fixed. And so the good news is, I have the solution to your sin problem. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The gospel has to be proclaimed. It has to be proclaimed. But the problem is that most people are wanting to suppress the truth and hide from it. They don't even want to listen to it, find the good news. Even though it's all there right before them, evident... They go, you know, I'm just going to... It's not actually a problem. I'll just do some good works over here and it'll make up for the wrongs that I've done. I'll just try and be a really good person. There's lots and lots of workarounds that people invent, create to suppress the truth that they have a need that they can't solve themselves.
and they are without excuse. This is a problem for us in the church, too. It's a problem for us in the church because we want to give them an excuse so that we don't have to put ourselves out there in providing the good news of the solution. Some of us have been shot down a couple of times. Hey, I have a solution for your problem. Oh, I don't have a problem. Yeah, no, but you do. I know you're trying to hide from it, but you really do have a sin problem with God. No, I really don't. Have a nice day. And then we get afraid to tell anybody that we have a solution to their sin problem because they don't think that they have a sin problem and they don't want to hear about our solution to the sin problem. And so then we don't want to tell anybody about it. Because what if they don't like it? Or what if they don't like us? Or what if they think that we're silly or stupid or something? So we'll just keep it to ourselves. We can't do that. Because even if they're hiding from the problem, that doesn't take it away. It's like spending on a credit card. Right? They got the credit card and they... Swiped it, and that worked pretty well. And they swiped it again. They swiped it again. You realize that's debt, right? You're going to have to pay for that sometime. Oh. It, I, I have to pay it back? Well, I'll just, I'll just not swipe it anymore. I'll only swipe it occasionally. It'll just be an emergency swipe. Well... But you still have that debt. Well, I'm not, I'm not using it nearly as much as I was. I'm much better about not racking up as much debt. What about the interest? You've got 23% interest racking up on that. Your debt is getting to be huge. How are you going to deal with this? It's fine. I cut it up. I can't swipe it anymore. I've cut it up. It didn't go away. You still have a problem. This is what people are doing with sin. They're trying to deny it. They're trying to avoid it. They're trying to stay away from it. And they go, no, no, I don't actually have a problem. Yes, you do. You have got to have that debt paid. There's only one way to do that. God has provided a way. He has given His Son to pay the debt for your sin. So that you won't have a sin problem anymore. I don't have a sin problem. Yes, yes, you do. We, we can't shy away from giving people the hope because at some point, all of the consequences of sin are going to come. There's already the wrath of God being revealed. There's already problems that are coming because of sin. But at some point, the whole thing's going to come down on them. And we can't pretend that the wrath of God isn't there or doesn't matter because it does. But you know why I think that we want to excuse other people? It's in part because it gets us out of having to tell them anything and stick our necks out. But it's also because we do the same thing to ourselves. In our unrighteousness, we are suppressing the truth. 
Oh, sure, yeah, we believe in the gospel and that God, that God has saved us. But now we think that, oh, we've just got this unlimited card. Well, you, you have a sin issue going on there. Right, but Jesus dealt with it. It's, it's not a problem. Or we deny that we have a problem. We deny that we are in sin. Even on this side, where we have accepted Christ and we, we know that the wrath of God is real and has been revealed, yet when it comes to the little stuff, man, you know, God probably just doesn't care about this one. I just don't think I need to deal with this particular sin. Well, that was just a little one. No, the, the wrath of God has been revealed against all sin. Which means both that we must proclaim it to those who are out there that haven't yet heard it, but also we have to remind ourselves, this is a sin. That lust, that lie, that pride, that selfishness, the stuff that we wish wasn't there, the stuff that we pretend isn't as bad as it actually is, it's sin. And God cares. It makes Him really mad. Every time... So stop pretending. Because the reality is, once we stop pretending that it's not a problem, and we acknowledge that it is a problem, we already have the solution. We cannot experience the grace and love of God until we acknowledge the sin. God loves us. And His righteousness is being revealed through the Gospel so that the sin is dealt with. And that's how we can have it both ways. Everybody wants it both ways. Everybody wants God to deal justly with the sins of everybody else and also not care about their sin. But it doesn't work that way. Either God cares about sin or God doesn't care about sin. And He does care about sin. He cares about their sin. He cares about the big sin. He cares about your sin and my sin and the little sins. But the way that we can have it both ways is that we recognize that God has will and is pouring out His wrath on sin and yet saves us because of the work of Jesus. Because we see the consequences of sin is what? The wages of sin is death. But, the free gift of God is eternal life 
through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the good news. That even though the wrath of God is revealed and we do have a sin problem that results in death, yet God has loved us and sent His Son that we might be saved. So that we can live in that. We can rejoice in that. We can celebrate in that. And it's good news for us today and it's good news for us tomorrow. And it's good news when we tell our neighbor and it's good news when we tell our friend and it's good news when we tell each other and we say, that's sin. Don't you point out, you have sin too. I know. Would you point it out to me? Then we can both repent. We can both celebrate in the grace of Jesus. And we can love one another truly. Not ignoring sin, but truly accepted and loved by God. That's what happens in this community. That's awesome. Because we don't have to pretend to be perfect. Nor do we have to ignore the sins in, in one another. We can actually deal with them and have it dealt with by Jesus and move past it into grace and celebration. That's way better than pretending we're happy because we're pretending there is no sin. It's true joy and celebration because the sin has been dealt with by God. I want to turn, take you to Psalm chapter 50. And I want you to listen to the way that uh, God is speaking about sin and about salvation and about His people. The Mighty One, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes He does not keep silence. Before Him is a devouring fire. Around Him a mighty tempest. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth that He may judge His people. Gather to Me My faithful ones who made a covenant with Me by sacrifice. The heavens declare His righteousness for God Himself is judge. Hear, O My people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all the moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world and its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to, God, to the Most High and call upon Me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify Me. But to the wicked, God says, What right have you to recite My statutes or take My covenant on your lips? For you hate discipline and you cast My words behind you. If you see a thief, you are pleased with him and you keep company with the adulterers. You give your mouth free rein for evil and your tongue frames deceit. You spit and you sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done and I have been silent. You thought that I was one like yourself. But now I rebuke you and lay the charge before you. Mark this then, you who forget God, lest I tear you apart and there be none to deliver. 
The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. To one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. And here in this psalm, we have this balance of grace and wrath. Of salvation and God's love and yet His justice. And so while we tremble because we know that the wrath of God is real and being poured out against ungodliness and unrighteousness, yet we celebrate because He has loved us and He has saved us when we come to Him as our Savior. And may we celebrate that this week. But may we first deal with the sin that is within us. And so I'd like for you to just take two minutes Uh, Taylor's going to come up and he's going to start playing a little bit. And I just want you to take a couple of minutes to just repent before God. So that then as uh, we sing the next song, we can praise him together. Because while he pours out his wrath on sin, he is also faithful and just to forgive us when we come to him in repentance. Let's pray. Our God, would you help us? Even now, would you expose within us to ourselves the sin that we have? That we might identify it, recognize it, repent of it, and accept your forgiveness. And we ask for this in your name. Amen.